From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. This week, we're going to take a trip into the past. We're going to feature two albums that each reach back over 60 years into two very distinct and little-known corners of the Latin music world. We're going to set the dials on Mr. Peabody's Wayback Machine to the 1960s in both Venezuela and Ecuador, and hear from musicians who you probably don't know or ever heard of, but through the magic of technology can speak to us from the past to celebrate the glory of their music. We're going to talk to the producers of two compilations that feature archival recordings from these two countries, and just wait until you hear the stories of how these recordings were initially made. We've got a lot to get to and plenty of way cool music to hear, so let's start in Ecuador. This track is called Vaca Lechera, and the group is Conjunto Caife, and we'll explain that in a minute. was Vaca Lechera from Conjunto Caife, and this track and the entire album take a minute to explain. The album is called The Paths of Pain, the Caife label Quito, 1960 to 1968. The album is a compilation of recordings from a record label called Discos Caife, and it was run by a gentleman by the name of Carlos Rota. You know, back in 2016, I did a complete edition of this podcast on this label and the story of the rediscovery of the Caife Master Tapes. Carlos Rota's grandson discovered the entire tape archive while cleaning out his grandfather's office after he died. I encourage you to listen to that first interview with Daniel Lofredo, Carlos Rota's grandson. There is a fascinating story of how he discovered the tapes under mounds of newspaper and how he came to become familiar with this music, which was all new to him, and the effort to digitize hundreds of master tapes. Now, fast forward to this week, Daniel Lofredo joins us again from his home in Quito, Ecuador, to tell us what it took to digitize all of that music and what we get to hear in this amazing compilation. Daniel de Lofredo, welcome back to All Latino, man. Thank you, Felix. It's a pleasure to be back. Lots of things have happened since you were here last time. Talk to us a little bit about how you were able to digitize the rest of the music, because when you were here the first time, you only had a handful of songs 
and now there's enough for an entire album and more. So what was that process like? It, well, it was it was a, a very long process. It required a lot of persistence and uh, a lot of curiosity. Uh, at first, it was only 80 tapes, but eventually we found 400. So when we started to, to digitize them, there was technical issues sometimes. But more than anything, it was just a lot of questions. Eventually, a colleague got in touch with me, a Greek-English musicologist called Ramona Stout, and she eventually helped me get the project more in gear, and we pitched it to some record labels. That's how we got Honest Jones. And Ramona actually came to Ecuador, and, and as a team, we took on the full digitizing of the rest of the catalog. And together we did about, uh, I think, 200 tapes is, is what we did. And... Uh, so that, that was really helpful because it's, it's actually really hard to wrap your mind around one mysterious tape. But then when you have hundreds of them, it takes you a while to unpack them one by one, you know, even, in, even mentally and to really know what, what's going on. was Taite Salasaco from Hermanos Castro. And we're talking to the producer of the album, Daniel Lofredo, from his home in Quito, Ecuador. When we talked a few years ago, I, of course, was fascinated and loved the recording and the story. Uh, but what was the reaction from both within Ecuador and anywhere else around the world to that first recording that you released? Well, the reaction 
it was actually really surprising. I, I got a lot of great feedback originally, including from people like you, which uh, was really surprising to me to have so much outreach with something that was so personal in a way. But over the, over the years, as we've been releasing, well, now that we've released the compilation, the reaction has been incredible. People are extremely excited about what we've done and the quality of, of, the, of the records and the sound is, is impressive and it really touches people in, in, the, in their hearts, you know? And I'm, I'm actually really, really thrilled. I'm, su I'm surprised also by how universal some of these emotions and how these songs really cut across language and culture in a way that's really amazing. It was a fascinating glimpse from that first batch of recording in both popular music, uh, folkloric music, uh, stuff that was obviously a personal favorite for your grandfather. It was a mix of things. There wasn't really uh, a set strategy, right? It's, I don't know that he actually had a business plan, right? You know. Well, you know, you know what I find I, I've, over the years, I started to kind of discern a, a certain logic. I, I, I feel like. A, my grandfather's intention was uh, very much connected to giving Ecuadorian music kind of an international touch. And since he had access to a lot of RCA records because his, his father distributed RCA in Ecuador, I realized that some of the most uh, mysterious artists had actually been picked out of the RCA catalog from obscure records from the 50s or 40s. In particular, this guy, Iluca, which is a Brazilian orange leaf player who released a record on RCA playing Brazilian songs on an orange leaf with a, with a band. And then he appears in Ecuador in the 60s. And originally this was extremely mysterious to me, but as I kind of started to understand my grandfather's logic, it became clear that, that it was intentional. And he was trying to integrate this Brazilian touch into Ecuadorian music, which is also known for the orange leaf, but not, not the way Biluca plays it, but when he brought that musician in, he was giving it this sort of international cachet.
The last time we talked, you had been in touch with one of the musicians, the blind musician who was like a rock star, and you said he dressed like Elvis. And Yeah, Segundo Bautista. What did he think about the release of the record with his, uh, with his recordings on it? Well, uh, sadly, he passed away this year, earlier this year. And, uh, you know, Segundo Bautista had, had some amazing recordings on the label. But when I spoke to him, he had no memory of, of making the, the recordings, which was sad. But I, I also felt that he was the sort of the kind of person that was just living in the moment constantly. One of his tracks is the reason we named the first compilation "The Paths of Pain." He has a, a song called "Sendero del Dolor," which is the namesake for our record. And since the release of the record, did any of the families of any of the other artists reach out or contact you or show any kind of appreciation for having their family's music uh, revived? either from the first record or with this current uh, compilation you have out? Absolutely. I've had uh, the pleasure of, of gifting uh, copies of the record to relatives of the musicians. And uh, it's very emotive. It's something that really touches them because it feels like we've rescued something from oblivion. We've taken it right from the edge and brought it back in, in a way that really validates it and gives it the chance of living on for at least one more generation, you know? I've also found out about another artist that's alive, but they don't remember anything either. It's, we're talking about the generation that was living their 30s and 40s in the 1960s. So they're getting really old, you know. Uh, most of them have passed away. In the process of research, I, I found the, the engineer who recorded all of the artists. It was as if he had like a, a lagoon around those days. He remembered a lot of other things, kind of peripheral things, but he just could not remember anything concrete from the, from the label, which is, you know, one of the reasons that the work that we did is important is because it, even in the oral history, it's, it started to, to disappear. Daniel Lofredo is the producer of the album Paths of Pain, the Caife label, Quito, 1960-1968, a compilation of music from Ecuador. The name of the album is named for one of the songs on the album called Sendero de Dolor. Recorro los caminos de los menesterosos que buscan en la vida un átomo de amor y voy por
por los senderos desiertos polvorosos cantando la romanza eterna del dolor cantando la romanza eterna del dolor Yo soy como un mendigo que va por muchos mundos añorando el recuerdo de una desilusión y espiritualizando mis yermos infecundos dolorosos ensueños de una grande pasión dolorosos ensueños de una grande pasión. You are listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras, and we're taking a ride in the Wayback Machine. And our next stop is Venezuela at roughly the same era. While Carlos Rota was a record label owner who sought out artists to record for his label in Ecuador, Osvaldo Lares is an archivist from Venezuela. He was an architect by trade, but he developed a passion for Venezuelan folk music and dedicated his life to recording the artists where they live. Cantoras, Rural Folk Singers of Venezuela, 1972-1983, is the name of the album that collects for the first time a fraction of the thousands of artists he has recorded over six decades. His partner on this project is Venezuelan vocalist Betsaida Machado, who leads an Afro-Venezuelan folk band called Betsaida Machado and Parranda El Clavo. Together, the two poured over thousands of tapes that he has recorded to select tracks for this record, which was then produced by Laris's son Guillermo and Betsaida's manager Juan Suki. While the voices from this album are from the past, Osvaldo Laris is very much in the present. He turns 90 years old in January, and I recorded him during a virtual presentation of the album organized by the University of Maryland's Clarice Smith Performing Arts Center. And here's what he said about what motivated him to start his recording project decades ago. He says he felt like there was a gap in the cultural history of his country and he wanted to travel the country to find the folk musicians from rural areas to preserve those traditions. He 
académica, música tradicional venezolana y sus verdaderos valores regionales. Betsaida Machado was also part of the University of Maryland's online presentation, and she talked about why these recordings are so important. She said the value of these tapes of these important folkloric singers is mostly because no one has recorded them before, and if he didn't do it, their voices would be lost, along with traditions and folklore. Okay, let's hear some of that tradition. This is the vocalist Maria Rodriguez. She's from a city called Cumaná in the state of Sucre, which history books tell us is the only continuously inhabited European established city in South America. That's a lot of history. This track is called Filia Oriental. Thank you. 
Okay, two in a row from the album Las Cantores. This is a track credited to Maxima y los demás de la comunidad. Maxima and the rest of her community singing El Dolor Me Mata. Mil gracias to Osvaldo Lares, Betsada Machado, and also to Daniel Lofredo, who talked to us about the vintage music from Ecuador that we heard about in the first part of the show. Okay, so let's talk about where you can find these records. You can pick up a great vinyl edition of The Paths to Pain, the Caife label, Quito, 1960 to 1968, on various commercial outlets, as well as from the record label Honest John's Records. That's Honest John's Records at honestjohns.com. That's John, J-O-N-S. And Cantores, Rural Folk Singers of Venezuela, 1972 to 1983. You can get that from commercial outlets as well. And also the label's website, www.odelia.live. That's Odelia, O-D-E-L-I-A dot live. And of course, you can always find them on streaming services, but as we talked about there is fantastic historical material included in the vinyl and the CD editions, so please consider that. You know, there's a saying that if you don't know where you've been, you'll never know where you're going. And it's appropriate for life and in music. Hearing these voices from the past is not only an act of preservation, but for me, it's a connection to another time and space, another moment, another set of realities. And when the realities we're living through right now is just so damn tough sometimes, it's good for me to look at the bigger picture and consider that sometime in the future, what we are living through now will be the past. And how we live, how we conduct ourselves, how we express ourselves will tell the future a little bit about who we are. I know, heady and esoteric. I know, I know. But that's what these times are doing to me. Big thoughts. And these records are the perfect soundtrack for those big thoughts. You have been listening to All Latino from NPR Music. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Felix Contreras. Be safe out there, people, and get boosted, fam. Take care. Oh,